0: this time, we're going to ask Zach to come and preach for us. Uh, Zach is a seminarian out of Calvin. He's finished with his schooling, and we're glad to have him here with us tonight to help us out. Will you pray with me? Lord God, help us to know your ways, teach us your paths, lead us in your truth, and, and teach us. For you are the God of our salvation, for you we wait all day long. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Good evening. Uh, First of all, thank you all so much for having me here. Um, It's it's a pleasure to worship with you all this morning. Um, Quick introduction, my name is Zach, as was mentioned. I just graduated from Calvin Seminary this last May with my Masters of Divinity which is a really strange title to tell people. Um, it, it makes me sound a lot better than I am. The last four years, I've been working at a church plant out of Caledonia, Michigan, which is about an hour or two and a half hours south of here. Um, my title was the director of worship, but I soon came to find out that the director of worship at the church plant, uh, the better title would be director of anything we need, um, so I've been able to dip my toes in a lot of areas of ministry, um, including preaching, and I'm excited to, to be able to do that here this evening. So this more or this evening, sorry, that's going to take some getting used to. I haven't preached at an evening service in about three years. So um, this evening, we're going to be looking at this book in the Bible called the Psalms. Um, you may have heard of it. It's the biggest one in there. If you open your Bible up, it's right in the middle, um, and if you want to do that now, we're going to be looking at Psalm 42 um, in a second. You know, as we're nearing, actually, as we are at Labor Day, which is kind of this, this <laughs> unofficial end of the summer, I'm sorry to break it to you all, um, I've been kind of thinking of this idea of, of creating playlists, or I've been dabbling in creating playlists the last three months. Um whether for long drives or vacations or, or beach days or, or just something to listen to while I'm at work. And I don't know about you, but, but when I create a playlist, I usually turn to a bunch of, of old songs from my lifetime that, that remind me of people or places or, or moments in my life, songs that either uh, pump me up or songs that can, can relax me a little bit. Regardless of, of what that song does to me, there are always songs that at some point in my life have, have spoken to a certain experience I have had. I turn to songs that either musically or lyrically give honest expression to my human experience. Songs that I can connect to. And that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna look at one of these ancient psalms, songs of Scripture that gives honest expression to the human experience. You know, that's this beautiful thing about the Psalms. It's the book of songs written by a variety of authors spanning over a thousand years. And they're all written in order to communicate different feelings or thoughts regarding their situations. And, and they're also written to help people and, and give words to others facing similar situations. And the best part is they speak to all of human experience. You know, if you ever felt any type of emotion, I, I can almost guarantee there's a psalm that expresses that. You know, there's psalms that, of praise that express admiration to God. There's psalms of thanksgiving that express gratitude or, or, or for deliverance or provision from God. There's psalms of confidence stating their trust in God's guidance through difficult times. There's even songs for long trips. And then there's this whole other genre of psalms, uh, psalms that we we kind of ignore very often. We don't like reading them. They they feel a little bit uncomfortable. And songs of lament. They express individual or communal frustration or anger towards their situation or, or even towards God. Psalms that, that give us an example of, of a pretty shocking way to speak to God, a way that, that can sometimes make us uncomfortable. But it's a way that God seems to endorse, seeing how the Psalms of Lament compose of a third of this 150-chapter book. These Psalms provide us a way to express our deepest emotions. And we see that in Psalms 42 and 43, which we're about to read. And, and usually I don't read two chapters. I don't make my sermon on two chapters of the Bible. But, but you'll see here that these really kind of go together. And in fact, there's this refrain that appears in both of them. So let's read that together. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? But these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. With shots of joy and praise among the festive throng, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Vindicate me, my God, and, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked, for you are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar. To God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. A couple years ago, I had the opportunity to do this year long internship with um, a shelter called Mel Trotter, which is a homeless shelter. Um, a shelter for people experiencing homelessness in in downtown Grand Rapids. And during that internship, I I got to meet a lot of different people and hear a lot of different stories and and just learn a lot from them. There's one thing that I really, really found interesting. Um, Do you know what the number one reason that causes people to experience homelessness it's not job loss, it's not alcoholism or any form of substance abuse, it's, it's not mental illness, it's not gambling or just running out of money, and, and I don't want to mislead you because all of those can have a hand in that, but the number one reason people experience homelessness is a lack of relationships. The majority of, of those people have, have either burnt out or lost most, if not all, of, her, of their close relationships. You know, if I were to lose my job today or if this whole pastor thing doesn't work out for me, I have friends that I can turn to. I have connections. I have relatives, people that would happily provide me with work until I figured out what my next steps are. If I got kicked out of my apartment, I have friends who would happily let me sleep on their couch. I have parents who would probably less happily let me move back in with them. I'm lucky to have these relationships that, that many people don't have. But the thing is, it's not always burning relationships that, that ends those relationships. I met a woman who was staying at Maltrador whose parents had long passed away. And within the last two years, she had lost her husband and her two adult children. And in the midst of all this loss, uh, she ended up, she fell into a deep depression, lost her job, lost her house. And with no one to turn to, she had to turn to Mel And I think that's my greatest fear. Not, not homelessness, but, but losing people I love. And I'm willing to bet it's up there for you, too, to have a relationship end. Whether it's through death or growing apart from someone or just being rejected. We're created to be relational beings. We see this in Genesis 2. After the creation of Adam, God looked at him and said, it is not good for man to be alone. So he created Eve to be in relationship with him so he wouldn't have to be alone. We see this in the Trinity, the the Father, the Son, and the Spirit constantly uh, giving and receiving from one another, constantly lifting each other up and, and humbling themselves, living in constant community and communion With one another. And and the cool thing about that is this is a relationship that we're invited into and invited to reflect with one another. We're created to be relational beings. But what happens when that person that you desire to be in relationship with doesn't have the same desire? Or to take it further, what happens when it's God that doesn't seem to have that desire. I mean, have you ever felt that God wasn't there? That he wanted nothing to do with you or that he has forgotten you, abandoned you? Times where you just wanted to cry out, where are you? We see that in our reading today. The psalmist is going through that situation. He's experienced what a perceived absence of God feels like, and he's in the midst of this true dark night of the soul. Psalm opens up with this very vivid image of a deer desperately searching for a stream to drink from, panting from thirst. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. I love the use of thirst here. It communicates an immediate need. psalmist could have gone with hunger, but, but he went with thirst. And, and there's a reason there. You see, the, the, the senses of hunger and thirst are very different. Hunger is typically just a response to a habit. If you eat dinner every day at 6 o'clock, your body knows to feel hungry at around 6 o'clock. Some of you might know what I'm talking about right now. Or my dog, he eats every day at five, and every day at five, he finds me wherever I am in the house and starts whining until I fill up his bowl. And that's why people who fast multiple days usually consider the first few days the easiest, or the, the most difficult, sorry. And then after day four or five, you're, you break the cycle and your body no longer feels that intense hunger. But with thirst, it's different. They say as soon as you feel thirsty, you're already dehydrated. As soon as you feel thirsty, you're already in need for water. And as much as our body needs water, our souls need God. Our souls thirst for the living God. Which is this nice play on words you see in times of drought. Streams aren't just water anymore. They're living water. In times of spiritual drought, God isn't just God. He's, he's the living God. But the psalmist is longing for the living God, and, and people don't long for things that they have. The psalmist no longer feels like he's in the presence of God. He feels forgotten and abandoned. And he longs to be in relationship with God once again. And he's not just spiritually distant. He's physically distant from God. It says, therefore, I'll remember you from the land of the Jordan and highlands of Hermon from Mount Mizar. And, and we don't know when this psalm was written, whether it came before or after the Jewish exile. But, but either way, the psalmist has been physically distant from the temple, which is the place where the Jewish people believed God presided. And he'd been away for a while. And he's feeling that distance. So he does a few things in in order to try to reconnect to God. First, he he pleads with God. He asks him why, hoping to receive an answer. Verse 9, it says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? He affirms God's sovereign love, trying to appeal to him. He says, by day, the Lord directs his love. And then he sings. At night, his song is with me prayer to the god of my life he looks at past experiences in verse four these things i remember as i pour out my soul how i would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of god with glad shouts and songs of praise a multitude keeping festival he thirsts for god which we talked about in psalm 43 we we see him start to make demands and try to bargain And lastly, he preaches to his soul. It's the chorus of the song. It's this contrast between what he knows and what he feels. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. His head and his heart are in this battle with each other. He knows deep down God is still with him. Otherwise, what would be the point of any of this? Why would he cry out to God if he didn't know that deep down he was there? And yet his heart is telling him he's forgotten, telling him he's abandoned. And despite all his attempts to rekindle this relationship, it doesn't seem to lead anywhere. By the end of Psalm 43, we see him still trapped in the hopelessness, feeling forgotten, abandoned, in the midst of a deep depression. And the thing is, if we only had these two psalms to look at and, and we ignored the rest of Scripture, we might agree that the psalmist, with the psalmist, and, and we would probably feel like there's no hope for us either. But luckily, we, we don't end there. We have all of Scripture. We, we read it as a whole. We know the entire gospel story. See, the psalmist writes a psalm with hope for the future, but we can read it with knowledge of, and confidence of what has already happened. See, we know we're sinners. We know we're broken. We, we don't live up to our own standards, let alone God's standard. We were created in God's image, and yet we constantly fall short of his goodness. And that fact alone is enough to create a separation from us and God from us in the source of life. And as the psalmist finds out, there's there's nothing we can do to to reconnect. No amount of questions we can ask or or demands we can make, no amount of praises we can sing, no amount of thirst or desire that can reconnect us with God. We can't do it on our own. But God, who is rich in mercy... Out of his great love for us, wasn't content to leave us there, wasn't content with this separation. He desires to live in community with us, and, and so he sent his son to dwell among us, to experience what it's like to be human, to suffer and to die on a cross. And do you remember what happened on that cross? It went dark. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, God abandoned his own son on that cross so we would never have to be. Jesus was forgotten so we would never have to be, to to show that God never intends to leave us. Jesus died, and and in three days he rose again, and 40 days after that he ascended into heaven, and, and then what happened? The Spirit was poured out into the hearts of all believers, the, the promise that God is going to stay with us and be a part of us. God hasn't abandoned us, He He hasn't forgot us, and He wasn't content to leave us where we're at. He wants to maintain the, the closest possible relationship with us. And then the church was created. The fellowship of all believers, a community that is praying for one another, lifting up and, and exalting one another, giving and receiving from each other, rejoicing in the good times and lamenting in the bad times together. And that's what we're called to be as the church, a community for those who don't have a community, a family for those who don't have a family, people who are committed, uh, committed to living in relationship with one another and not just on the surface, but, but true, deep relationship. A church that lets people know that they aren't alone. And a group of people that experience and reflect God's presence. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you. Some of us feeling great this evening. And, and some of us really feeling that distance. Lord, help remind us of your presence, of your love for us. And Lord, help us reflect that love and that presence with our relationship with, with one another and with, with the community around us. Lord, help us remember your presence as we go about our lives. And it's in your name, we pray. Amen. I don't know what's next, so, okay. <laughs> Karen, I think I've got the wrong number on here. Is it 47? It is in the blue. Okay, number 47 in the blue. Let's stand and sing. We'll do all the verses again, Karen.